905 Jervy War, this is Schwa Wars. Hello everyone, my name is Adam Hayes, and on this week's episode, we have another huge, special, amazing one-on-one episode uh, where I get to be able to sit down with one of the many talented people here in Ontario Independent Wrestling and be able to have a nice conversation with them about their upbringing, their past, their future, and of course, if they're promoting shows, be able to put on an amazing show uh, with them. And of course, being able to have someone that I've always wanted to bring on the show is a very rare treat, because I've had a lot of amazing people on the show, and this is my first time ever in the many years that I've been doing podcasting of having this individual on. He, of course, is the promoter, owner, you know, ambassador, man of many hats, as I said off the air just recently, of uh, Demand Lucha. He, of course, is the one and only Marcus Marquez. How's it going, man? Doing good. Thank you, Adam, for having me. Very excited. I know. And a little bit, uh, you know, just inside baseball and stuff like that, too. You actually didn't know it was me just before we went on the air. I didn't know. I, I, I knew you as Adam Hayes. You know, we've worked together in the past. Um, and I didn't know Adam Barna. So yes. once you popped on the screen uh, on camera, I was like, oh, that's a familiar face. <laughs> Much well, easier to do this interview with a familiar face. Exactly. It's not just some rando and stuff like that, too. Of course, you know, you yeah. and I have shared a couple of locker rooms in the past and and whatnot, too. Uh, speaking of which, you know, let's just kind of just jump right into there before we kind of get into things with Demand Lucha. Of course, uh, I've known you for a long, long time here in Ontario Independent Wrestling. For for those of you who really haven't really got a chance to get to know the man behind, you know, the pencil, the eraser for Demand Lucha, uh, talk about a little bit of your upbringing, about how you first got into professional wrestling, what drew you into it uh, before becoming uh, the promoter that we all know that you are now. Yeah, I started wrestling, or I started training to be a wrestler at 16 years old. Still in high school, I started training with Rob Fuego at Squared Circle Training in Toronto. Rob Fuego was the man who trained a lot of great talent that you see on TV, like Gail Kim, Angelina Love, Taylor Wilde. Uh, he doesn't like to admit it, but Sin Bodhi as well. Uh, <laughs> he a lot of great national exposure. Uh, a, great, a lot of great wrestlers that have national exposure. So I was very lucky to be able to train under his guidance. Um, one thing that was a little bit tough for me was that I was still in high school. And when you're learning how to wrestle in the beginning, get a little bit of bumps and bruises. Sometimes you get a scrape in the forehead with when you're training with another unexperienced trainee and they maybe punch you a little bit harder than they should. And when I went to school, the teachers didn't know what was happening. I never told anyone I was training to be a wrestler. I kind of kept everything close to the chest. But they always thought I would just get into random fights after school. <laughs> never called my my parents or never made a, a fuss about it. But there's one English teacher who pulled me aside and was like, you've got to stop doing what you're doing. You're showing up to class every other week with a scuff. And it's concerning. But luckily, I, I got through high school, finished it, completed it, uh, and even finished college and, and university as well. Um, without getting uh, sent to the the principal's office. Um, I started my career as uh, Sombra Canadiense. Um, 
wrestled in Toronto, wrestled a lot of areas in the United States, was able to go to Japan and wrestle for Zero uh, One as well as Big Japan. Um, was able to have the opportunity to wrestle a lot of great Lucha Libre stars in uh, Toronto, like El Hijo Del Santo and Blue Demon Jr. and um, the original Sin Cara and uh, WWE. Uh, so yeah, I was I had a lot of great opportunities in Toronto and was trained by someone that was diverse enough to allow me to learn not just how to wrestle North American style, but also dip my feet and my toes into the Lucha Libra style, which kind of got this whole Lucha Libra um, addiction, I guess, uh, with, with me started. I was about to say, too, because I, I feel like a lot of people that came through Rob Fuego's school at the time and, you know, really learned underneath his belt, he really emphasized, like, you know, the importance of that Lucha Libre style within Ontario Independent Wrestling that a lot of guys were then using within that mid-2000s and the late-2000s era that, quite frankly, you don't see a lot of anymore to the degree that Squared Circle was doing. Uh, a couple of quick questions regarding that. What do you feel about the training that you went through yourself as a teenager uh, compared to maybe seeing the training that you may be seeing nowadays between, you know, the many different schools that you see that are popped up here in Ontario independent wrestling. Do you notice a different dynamic when it comes to that? Or do you feel like you're lucky you came around when you did for training at the time you did? It's hard for me to say, cause I haven't really watched any current schools. I haven't seen any of uh, the curriculums that these schools put their uh, trainees uh, through. But given that, I was able to have the chance to work with a couple of trainees from a couple of different schools, which will remain nameless because once it got into the ring with them, it looked like they didn't know much. They didn't know how to lock up properly. They didn't know how to do simple things like key locks and, um, and top wrist locks and how to get from a hammer lock from a, a, a key lock and those things. Um, I think currently the fundamentals is kind of lost. Uh, yes, Rob Fuego did train a lot of people in the Lucha Libre style, but before you're able to jump into the ring or do anything off the ropes, you had to learn the fundamentals. It was about a month before he let us even run the ropes until we showed him that we were able to do a proper headlock, proper lockup, proper hammer lock, proper waist lock, how to reverse all those things, how to apply all those things properly. And I think that's the main thing that's being lost. I've seen some trainers go from here's how to do a lockup and then here's how to do a neck breaker. And then the trainer just paces around the ring and says, hey, let's do a backbreaker. Uh, so that's not proper training. There, every gym should have a curriculum. You need to graduate from learning how to do these certain things, these handful of things first before you're able to do the next set of things. And then onward and on so and on so until you're able to put together a match and after you're able to do a match, you should be able to talk to your trainer about your presentation, what you're going to wear, what you're going to look like, uh, what you're going to be called. That's all lost. 
I think now it's just how fast can I get do a show and how fast can I buy my tights off of highspots.com. Um, so given given that, I have seen some impressive new wrestlers pop up recently. Um, it's a couple, quite a few uh, guys caught my eye, like Ethan Dukes, I think is going to be a, a very good wrestler in a couple of years. He just needs uh, time. Um, Bryce uh, Wild Stallion, we use him as Wild Stallion. I think he's going to be very good uh in in a little bit um but then there's the other side where again not going to name anyone but there's people that can't lock up properly so answering your question very lucky that it came up when i did because rob fuego he had a a, a mindset of how to train people at their pace everyone's unique everyone's different everyone needs to go at their own pace and he never rushed anyone probably that's why he was able to produce so many tna and wwe and uh, ring of honor uh stars and yours and yourself included as well don't forget that as well i i guess i, I never <laughs> i was never got the national exposures uh his, some of his other students though well, I think you still did pretty well for yourself, all things considering, at least in my personal opinion. Um, you were saying before about going to school and like having to deal with like, you know, teachers kind of looking at you funny with the cuts and stuff like that. And of course, starting at a very young age. Now, of course, you do hear about, you know, people in the wrestling business starting when they're a teenager and kind of stuff like that. Do you think that was a good thing for you now looking back at the time of like kind of getting your feet wet when you were so young be like look this is my passion right now i'm gonna try it instead of like you know what i'm gonna wait till i'm in my early 20s my mid-20s and then kind of you know after i kind of you know get my footing and stuff like that in the world and then you know try to go after my dream and stuff like that are you happy you went when you did as a teenager uh compared to maybe waiting maybe a few more years uh when you were you know more into adulthood yeah, no, I'm, I'm glad I started when I did. It was weird, don't get me wrong. Like, I was hopping in car rides with randoms. Some some people were men, uh, twice my age, uh, and we were driving wherever we needed to drive just to do shows. And that was a bit weird. My parents, you know, they're cool enough to let me do it, but, you know, it's, it's kind of weird hopping into a car with a 30-year-old that's driving a bunch of other 16- and 20-year-olds to to wrestle, right? Yeah, I was going to say, in 2023 land, that's, uh, that's, a, that's a huge red flag. Right. Back in the day, it's like, ah, it's no big deal. It's the business kid. Get in. But I always thought it was normal. Of course. In my mind, I just want to get to a show to see if there's a spot. I would go to every single show every weekend. Uh, that's drivable and hope that there's a spot for me. Um, I didn't think that's weird, but I could see how a lot of grown-ups looking back would probably think that's weird. But talking to people my age now, I, I, I talk to coworkers and colleagues and they tell me about what they did when they're 16, 17, even in their 20s. And they're like trying to get into clubs, trying to get booze, experimenting with certain drugs. I never did that. Uh, there's a lot of people that their highlights are, hey, remember that night where we did these drugs and we met these people and we did these things? It was great. 
my highlight were, oh, hey, remember the time we drove eight hours, we stopped at the convenience store, found these awesome energy drinks, drove another two hours, did a match in front of 10 people, then had to drive all the way back because they didn't give us a hotel. I know it's not as glamorous as most people's stories, but I think that made me into the person that I was. I wouldn't be able to grow up as thick-skinned and as tough as I have grown without having experienced what I did in my late teens. You were saying before about how you would just kind of jump in a car and just show up at shows and see if you can, you know, if you were needed or potentially even get booked on the show like last minute is, you know, just kind of getting your name out there. Talk to me about the importance of that just in general of trying to get your name out there and being able to show up at shows because I know I still have been going to shows for a very long time. And as much as I used to see it, especially back in the day, I don't see it as often anymore uh, with a lot of the talent. It's either I'm booked or I'm not booked. And there is, I'm not going to say that there isn't, there is a couple of people that will show up at shows and you know, they're, they'll be like, Hey, you know, what's going on? Just letting you know I'm here just in case you need anything, whatever, blah, blah, blah. But talk about how important that is for you in your career and yeah. almost you speaking then to the younger, you know, audience right now, that's probably listening to this and like why you want to tell them why it's so important for them to do just as something as simple as just showing up. Yeah, it doesn't happen now. I, I I could count on my one hand and I'll still have enough fingers left over with how many people show up to shows to help out and see if there's an extra spot. And they don't, most of the people that do show up to help, they don't even ask me if there's an extra spot. They're missing the last step of showing up. <laughs> uh, it's their trainers. Their trainers don't teach them what to do after you're fully trained. Um, it's again, trainers are looking to make money and trainees are looking at the fastest way to be able to get on shows and live out their dream, which is fine. But doing getting fast tracked like that, you're missing out key aspects to make you successful. So when I was wrestling, it was myself, Cody 45, Extremo. We had other people like Ashley Six, uh, Michael Elgin, um, Trangela Gomez, T. Gomez, uh, Anton Arrakis. Uh, those guys, Hornet, uh, he's an NXT referee now. Those guys that I mentioned, we'd rotate. Um, we'd fill up a car with however many people can fit into the car. Sometimes we took two cars and we'd drive to all the shows. And this is what you do. You'd fill up your, your wrestling bag. You'd keep it in the trunk. You'd leave it in the trunk if you're not booked. You show up, you shake every single person's hand, and you introduce yourself, and you let them know who you are. For example, hey, I'm Marcus Marquez. I wrestle as uh, La Sombra Canadiense. Uh, Rob Fuego trained me, looking to get more experience. You know, right now, I know that I'm not booked. I know about budgets. I know how hard it could be to um, have some extra money laying around for people that are not booked. But if you have anything, even if it's a little, happy to get my gear on and do whatever I can to show you that I'm a commodity that and an asset that you're going to want as a regular. Sometimes 
people don't show up, people get hurt, or sometimes bookers just are appreciative of the help that you're giving them. So they'll throw on an extra match and they'll put you in there and they might give you 40, 50 bucks, but that's what you're getting back is experience. You're not getting monetized as much as you like in the beginning, you're getting a little bit of experience. As you get more experience and you start getting regular work, then that's when you start worrying about monetization. People don't do that anymore. And when they do, they forget to come to the booker, introduce themselves, let them know that they're ready and willing to work. And um, that even though that might not be in the budget, it's okay, all I want is experience. People don't do that. Um, it's a lost art. But the people that do do it, I think are going to grow. Uh, the people I mentioned in the past, you know, Ethan Dukes and Wild Stallion, Bryce, um, those two that show up continuously to every show to help out in every show, I think they're going to grow and be able to monetize and be able to appear on more shows than some of the people that are just breaking out right now. I think, uh, yeah, I, I, for the record, I completely agree with you with everything you were just saying. Um, one thing that is something that's also kind of hard for not only just a wrestler to be able to kind of gain experience, but it's a whole other aspect to be able to do that as a promoter and as a booker. And, of course, that kind of leads me now into the, the starting of Demand Lucha, which, I'll be honest, I know with you, start, I believe it was starting originally as Lucha T.O., and then uh, there were other you know different names for it, and now Demand Lucha. Um you guys have been around now for quite a few years. Did it take a little bit for you to kind of find that groove and experience in kind of like doing the same thing of like learning through the ropes and kind of learning experience show by show that you did to kind of get to the formula and everything that you are enjoying now and the success that Demand Lucha has today? Yeah, I started off as a booker for Squared Circle Live. Oh, a long time ago, I, I, I can't even tell you what year I started booking those shows, but it could tell you the first show that I booked. It was Kevin Steen versus Michael Elgin in the sub-main event, and then in the main event, El Generico versus Brett Banks uh, versus uh, Cody 45 versus Ashley Six. Um, so it's so it was quite a long time ago. That's when Kevin Steen and um, Generico were, I think, tag teaming in, in Ring of Honor. Um, Rob Fuego, my trainer, he gave me the opportunity to take the Squared Circle name and start branding it off as live events. I did that for a good ten years uh, in Toronto, and I actually found my most success with the company in Whitby. Uh, we ran at the live act theater where we were able to do a lot of big shows. Our biggest show at that uh, venue was when we brought in uh, Davey Richards. And we had Davey Richards versus um, Tyson Dukes in the main event. Mm -hmm. We had Kevin Steen on that show. Uh, big sold out show. We couldn't fit any more people in there. Then... After Squared Circle has went as far as it could, 
Rob Fuego decided that he wanted to close down the school. So we had no more squared circle. We had to evolve. Around 2015, I kind of looked at wrestling and I didn't really want to do the same old thing. So I found a, a little bit of a gap in the market. There wasn't any Lucha Libre wrestling in Toronto. And when I first start, it was very hard to get it off the ground. People didn't dig it. People, I guess, wanted traditional wrestling. They probably looked at Lucha Libra as maybe something that wasn't what they're used to. Maybe they were afraid that they didn't understand it, whether it's the language or the style of wrestling. They didn't dig it. It took about two shows in that I kind of figured out what I had to do. Uh, the second show that I've ever done for uh, Demand Lucha or, or Lucha Tio uh, had Blue Demon Jr., uh, La Parca, or sorry, no, Blue Demon Jr., Pantera, Vampiro on the card, Lindsay Dorado, and that had close to 500 people. It wasn't easy. I went to festivals, South American festivals. I went to South American parties. I handed flyers. I gave a couple of free tickets away. I had to kiss babies, shake hands, <laughs> everything possible to get them out, but I got them out. Fast forward to now. Lucha Toronto turned into Demand Lucha due to our platform. So we released online platform on PivotShare. It was a platform that was pretty popular a couple of years ago. I think almost every company had streaming events on there. They were able to charge um, a tiny fee per month to uh, enroll and watch all the streaming uh, shows on the Pivotshare platform. So we had that too. Um, that's when we changed from Lucha Toronto to Demand Lucha because we didn't want to be branded as a Toronto-based company. We wanted to be branded as a worldwide company. We don't want to be pinched to hold as just Canadian show. We want to be an international show. Uh, from Pivotshare, we went on to IWTV. And now from IWTV, we're going to take our next step very soon. We're going to make an announcement on the next place to be able to see uh, all Demand Lucha shows. It's going to be a very big platform. Uh, a lot of companies have signed up uh, with it already, and they're very excited to announce it. Uh, and I think everyone's going to like it. And the best thing I think that everyone's going to like about it is that the price point is a big fat free. Uh, you could watch Demand Lucha, all the library and all the stuff for free very, very, very soon. And that's one of the pulls, if I can cut in as well, too. That's a lot. Of, uh, that's a huge bargaining chip as well for someone like your company to be able to go into a lot of these services is not just be like, hey, we're, you know, an upstart company or, you know, we're brand new to this thing. And like, here's maybe like one or two shows. No, you got quite a significant library of content underneath your belt right now so you're kind of going in with like you know guns blazing at this point as well as you know just having everything as like i said like with dimension lucha just like you know on on point right now so yeah and people don't know that i have squared circle live footage that i mm -hmm. own i also have the rights to use all uh bsc pro footage oh wow okay um, so we now have we're talking. a lot of library yeah yeah we have a big library lot of stars in our library mm -hmm. 
And of course, being able just to, again, just for myself too, like starting myself in the business in like the mid 2000s as well. And like kind of seeing the BSCs and the Squared Circle Lives. And of course, being able to be a part of Squared Circle Life actually just for a very small cup of coffee, uh, which I also really, really enjoyed doing the commentary for. Uh, One of my favorite still matches that I still love calling to this day was I think it was a street fight between Ashley Six and Channing Decker that they had there and they just tore the roof down in that. And I absolutely just like loved it. And it was one of my uh, favorite gigs, actually, I might say uh, for commentating, but enough about me. Uh, Of course you, like I said, um, you learned a whole bunch of different styles when it came to professional wrestling and learning the basics and learning Lucha Libre. And of course, kind of getting the idea of like how you wanted demand Lucha to eventually evolve and grow to how important is it for you to associate yourself and have these working relationships with so many different outside Ontario talented companies. And I, that's one of the main things that I've noticed with demand Lucia throughout the years is it's been so consistent of like, you know, working with like so knitly close with like the game changer wrestlings with the, with the Mexican promotions and all these other different people and bringing in talent that quite frankly, even if you've never heard of, you're going to want to be able to see come back a second, a third, a fifth time. And it's been one of the trademark things when it comes to your promotion. Just how important has it been to you to establish those relationships? And why do you think um, your company has been able to succeed in that when others haven't? Yeah, I've heard it said before. It's great when you don't have to come up with a tagline uh, and you just see supporters and attendees start to to say this tagline that it just naturally starts happening uh, people have been saying you don't miss demand lucha they say it for a reason we're on a hot streak right now because we were able to have relationships with a lot of different companies to bring over their stars so when a game changer is doing a show on a friday because we do thursdays and no one else does we're able to talk to Game Changer and say, hey, we're happy to use these three stars and then we'll work on a way to get them to your show the next day. And of course, companies like Game Changer and Defy and Warrior Wrestling uh, and Black Label Pro will all jump on that opportunity because that's half a ticket to their show right there. That's half a trance to their show, whether it's a, a carload of guys that are driving to Chicago the next day that now the game changer only needs to pay half of their trans. Or if it's someone that I can fly to Indianapolis and just pay half of their flight because Black Label Pro is uh, chipping in for the other half. So that's what we've been doing. We keep a, a very close eye on who's running on Fridays and Saturdays and either double team it, triple team it, sometimes quadruple team it, and try to get as many of uh, international stars, a little bit of a tour. And these guys love it. Gringo Loco, he tells me every time he's here how much he appreciates that I'm able to wheel and deal his um, bookings and get him a whole weekend gig. He's even offered me the chance to be his uh, agent, but I have way too much going on, so (laughs) not going to happen. I was going to say, that would have been another cap on your head. (laughs) Yeah, not going to happen. I'm not agenting for anyone. There you go. 
<laughs> See, we got that on uh, audio right now. Wait another five, ten years. Like, I would like to officially announce. <laughs> no, I, I think that's absolutely amazing. And like I said, it, it is something that Demand Lucha is known for, is the fact of, like, those outside talents, those high-octane shows where it almost feels like it is a party, in a sense. Uh, when you see it, when you're live, when you're in- involved with it and stuff like that. What is, in your mind, probably the hardest thing as a promoter that you have had to deal with so far um, within not just the time that you were helping it with Square Circle Live, but also with Demand Lucha? Like, what is the one thing that just, maybe even to this day, has always been like maybe the hardest thing for you to, you know, to deal with? Getting talent there. <laughs> Fair enough. Okay. <laughs> you Come don't on, understand, come to Canada. <laughs> you don't understand how many fires I have to put out because of situations and happenings that take place that stop a talent from getting there. Mm. Uh, whether it's passports being stolen and having to figure out a way to get a passport expedited within a week's time. Uh, whether it's AEW uh, booking someone the night before for uh, Dynamite and having to reschedule a flight with three days uh, time to do it, uh, or whether it's an injury, someone gets hurt and you have to figure it out. I think I'm pretty proud to, for the most part, I say 99% deliver on everything that I have um, promoted. And when I'm not able to, I either have the ability to be transparent about it and let people know that this isn't happening and this is why. Or if it happens hours before the show happens, you know, that's something that I can't go online and, and warn people about, but I'm able to try to find a good replacement. Uh, so one of our shows we had Commander, uh, he had some issues uh, being able to travel into Canada. So we were very transparent. We told everyone that if you bought a ticket to see Commander that he's not coming, but we have Eddie's. Eddie's is a amazing luchador from AAA. He's also done a lot of MLW stuff and he's more uh, he's more than well of an, enough of a replacement for Commander. But on the day of the show, I don't know how I was able to do it, but I got Commander the proper paperwork to get into Canada and surprise everyone and make it a three-way. Uh, so again, I was ready to have some have a replacement that's suitable for what's missing but i still didn't give up i tried everything to its last opportunity to try to get commander into a show because i promised it i don't like promoting something and not backing it up or not delivering because that will result in attendees and supporters not trusting you and that's one thing also I feel like I've gained is a trust of our ticket buyers. Once you lose that, it's very, 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 very hard to get the trust back. I completely agree with you. Um, 
again, you've had a lot of successes and a lot of wins when it comes to yourself as a promoter and within this industry so far. What do you think is probably, besides obviously like just following through on, you know, just bringing in the talent, what would you say to maybe those promoters that are within Ontario or maybe just, you know, just in listening in general that are wanting to step up their game like you guys do? What is one bit of advice that you could possibly give to these guys? Because let's be honest, if one promotion does well, then Ontario does well. And the more opportunities for wrestlers, that's even great. There will be a follow-up to that after this next question. Um, But what do you think is a really sound advice that you learn from yourself promoting that you could probably bestow upon others if you could? Without, of course, giving away too many trade secrets here. Of course, yeah. Um, I would say don't just don't just go online and say i'm running a show that mm-hmm. doesn't make you a promoter that doesn't make you a booker you need skills you need experience you need education first thing i would say if you want to run a promotion run it like a business make sure that you have a business background um, go to school take some course in business that will help you learn how to properly incorporate a business, how to uh, open up um, uh, bank accounts under a business account, how to uh, do taxes, file taxes. Um, A wrestling company is a company. It's not just fun and games. Another thing I would suggest is get experience before trying to become a promoter booker. Volunteer at wrestling shows, show up to wrestling shows and help out. If you're not talented enough or not athletic enough to be a pro wrestler, it's okay. There's other opportunities. You can show up and put chairs on the floor. Anyone could open up a chair and stack it in a row. Um, You need to be around people that have experience, listen to them talk, and see how they do their work. Just like anything, you don't open up a pet store and think that you're going to be successful running a pet shop. No, you go, you get a job in retail, stacking pet accessories in a pet shop, get experience, learn from your manager, learn from the owner, your boss. And then from there, you gain enough experience to open up your own pet shop should be the same thing with pro wrestling. All the booking tips and tricks, that stuff you learn from there. Once you have a foundation on how to run a business, how to incorporate a business, how to insure a business, how to write taxes off as a business, and once you get enough experience to know what the wrestling business is like, then you could start a wrestling show. Um, I, I've, I've seen it in the past when people get a little too excited and they try to run a show without the experience and only last a couple of shows just because they're taken in for uh, either they overpay, they under deliver, they don't draw, they don't know how to draw. It's, it takes experience. This is not just fun and games. It's an actual business that you have to learn. It's a trade. I would say wrestling's a trade. That's completely fair. Um, with you saying, too, about these companies that just come and show up after a couple of shows and then they just disappear, 
One of the things, and I got to bring it up because I bring it up with a lot of different promoters and whatever that have come onto my show, and it's a regular topic that comes up, and I got to ask you as well. The amount of talent that we have here in Ontario is incredible. The fact that like the people that are starting out to the people that are considered veterans and everything else in between. The one thing that you can always say about Ontario is if you are looking for something to do on a Friday, Saturday night, there's always a show. Yes. Sometimes five to six or seven of them happening in a weekend because there are so many promotions running just in general to the point now where I think that last last count was like we were over 25 active promotions here in just Ontario alone. Why do you think that Ontario is a such a hotbed for professional wrestling that a lot of people are running promotions to the point that they are now and B why do you still think that Demand Lucha, out of all those promotions, is still continuing to deliver how they are every single month that you guys run for countless years, given the fact and given the market is so saturated with so many different promotions running every single weekend? Yeah, I think uh, people, as I mentioned, people get excited. They love wrestling and you can't blame them. Uh, they get excited. They want to, I guess they want to live out their dream of putting on a show their way. They want their ideas and their say to happen live in front of them. And that's fine. Um, also, there, there's the other hand where it's wrestlers that feel like they're not getting booked enough or not getting opportunities like they feel personally they should decide to open up wrestling shows just so that they can work outside wrestlers in the main event or put titles on them or book their friends or family members or whatnot. Um, that's why there's so many. Um, again, if a wrestler can't be in the main event in someone else's show, it's no problem anymore. They could just open up a wrestling company and put themselves in the main event against, um, I don't know, any top Ring of Honor talent or any top AEW talent. Um, the reason why the Man Lucha has lasted quite a while, number one, you'll never see me in the ring for my own show. I don't do this because I want to be a star. I don't do this because I want to put the title on myself. I don't do this because I want to wrestle the latest indie superstar. I do this because it's a business. I have people on my team that have certain responsibilities because I know one person can't do every single task in a business. I know that there needs to be a budget, a realistic budget. You have to come have a, a come to Jesus talk with yourself, understand how much realistically you can make on a show have a budget and stick to it. I only have six matches. I don't do six man tags every match. I don't do uh, scrambles every match. If you look at my card, there's one tag match and then five other single matches. And that's because there's a budget and I have to stick to it. If we, if I went ahead and booked all my family and friends plus all stars so that my family and friends can wrestle against, I'd be out of business because I wouldn't be able to accommodate all of their salaries on the budget that we bring in. 
the man lucha has lasted because i don't book with ego i book with sense i come up with a strategy a business strategy and i stick to my guns i think if more companies looked at pro wrestling in that sense if more companies stopped getting angry with other companies and started booking shows or talents just because they wanted to attack another show that's ego booking um i think they would have a little bit more success and a lot less stumbles everyone stumbles don't get me wrong i had one big stumble and that was a learning experience that will never make the same mistake ever ever again all right well i gotta say it has been an absolute pleasure and honor to be able to have you like i said on this podcast and just being able to talk shop with you and just being able to see you again grow from just like you know just seeing you backstage in like the early days of like when i was getting into my fandom here in ontario independent wrestling in the mid to late 2000s uh just to seeing you turning into you know you know the businessman that we shall say um that you are now when it comes to just everything to do with demand lucha and just you know the hustle that you have i I commend you for that and i think because of that you were giving a lot of other promotions here in ontario that are deciding to run or still continuing to run um a little bit of a i wouldn't say a worry but i would say maybe like you know what there's certain promotions that you kind of look around to like they're the staples now of Ontario independent wrestling. And I think that demand Lucha quite honestly has turned into one of those, um, those staples that people can rely on. And that's not me just, you know, kissing ass or anything like that. I, I genuinely believe that. So, um, I, I just, I can't believe that you guys have been running this successful this long. And I mean, who am I kidding? Of course I am. Look, look at you, but Obviously, you know, Demand Lucha is going to continue to go up and up and up. Of course, you have that huge announcement that, of course, you're not going to break anything on my podcast. That's fine. I get it. I understand. I'm not too offended yet. Um, But I, I again, would like to thank you very, very much for coming on to the show. Uh, And, of course, you have a couple of huge shows planned out for the summer. Of course, this is airing, um, of course, in the first week of July. And uh, you got at least the one that I know of, especially coming up on July 23rd, at least Palace uh, for Boom Shaka Lucha, which again, fantastic name. Huge fan of the name. Uh, Of course, that's going to be at 529 Blur Street West in Toronto on Sunday, July 23rd. Uh, You already have said six huge matches already announced for that as well. Um, If you would like to be able to go into your socials and everything else with that, maybe you're promoting that show or anything else you got coming up from the summer, that'd be greatly appreciated. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Oh, the two big uh, shows we have in our summer. Lineup is uh, July 23rd, Lee's Palace, Boom Shaka, Boom Shaka Lucha, uh, Effie versus Brian Keith, as well as Gringo Loco versus Bandito. Bandito is Bandito's number one student uh, in Big Lucha. Big Lucha is Bandito's promotion up in Mexico. So it's mm. going to be a very good match. And then in August 24th, back in Parkdale Hall, we have Demand Lucha versus House of Glory Wrestling, where we're going to have Amazing Red and his um, fellow House of Glory wrestlers come into Toronto and try to take on Demand Lucha one-on-one in a one-night-only promotional matchup, series of matchups. 
Very awesome. Very awesome indeed. And of course, uh, again, big thank you as well for finally uh, joining us here on Schwab Wars. Like I said, um, it's very rare that I can be able to have somebody on that's a very first time guest after me doing podcasting for so long. Uh, but you are one of them and I can fa- finally, you know, get that check mark for myself and put that on the list. So hopefully this won't be the last time that we have you here on Schwa Wars. Maybe we can have you in some of our fun tier lists in the, in the future and stuff like that too. I'm sure with your wealth of knowledge, that'd be a whole lot of fun. So uh, once again, thank you very, very much uh, for coming onto the show. Uh, I'm not entirely too sure for all of you fans uh, to be able to check out what exactly is next, because quite frankly, Frankly, I left my binder in the other room and uh, you're just going to have to tune in and be able to see uh, what that is going to be. But of course, check out in the, everything in the archives, anchor.fm slash Wars podcast. Find us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Wars, Instagram, and all your other social media channels. Till then, ladies and gentlemen, my name's Adam Hayes. Thank you very much. And we'll catch you on the next one.